Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. Oh my God! The Queen, the of, Queen Glendale. of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly, everybody. My name is Molly McAleer, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tiffany Maddox. Hi, honey. Hi. How's it going? Good. I'm, like, ripping cigs in my house right now, which is not great. I mean, let's let's just get into it. I told I said I didn't know if I was going to talk about this or not, but I do have, like, technology, a technology story right now. So... Don't ask me any fucking questions, by the way. Don't be sick. If one of you like reaches out to me and asks me any sort of questions about my body, I'm going to block you. But truthfully, I do have a UTI and I woke up at like 2.30 in the morning and just like got up, puked. And then, you know, as it goes, you pee a lot, all but very little. You pee so much, but so little. And I was just like, my cats were kind of nice to me this morning, which was nice. They let me like rest until 10. But I thought I had placed an order on, I went on the Target app and I thought I had placed an order to have like cranberry pills and cranberry juice and like all of the things you need when you're pissing chunks of blood. And I guess I went back to sleep without entering the last three digits, like the digits on the back of my card. And so when I finally like start to come alive at 10 a.m., I realize that my shit is like not on its way and I have to place an order. Shout out Jerry. Jerry went and like got my stuff for me. But then get this, you know, I sleep with my AirPods in every night because it makes me feel safe. And I guess yesterday I like lost my charging case for my AirPods third generation, which like are in, you can't just like find a replacement for it. Like every other type of I like AirPod, like charging case off brand, whatever, they all have really good reviews. There is no case for the iPod third generation. So I call, I'm like trying to figure it out. The Apple website is completely deceptive. Finally, I just like call Apple. Meanwhile, this place where I drop them is not answering the fucking phone. And I get this guy and I just like start crying as soon as he answers, which I wish I was better about. But like truthfully, when you're already not feeling good, for me, the best way to like cure any additional anxiety is to just like do the paperwork, like to like get ahead of it, you know, like as long as I know, okay, I'm going to be able to charge my AirPods in the future. I don't have to be like extra dramatic and feel like I wish I was dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, get it. So 
like I'm talking to this guy and I'm like crying and I'm like, listen, I, this is dramatic. I just, I'm feeling really sick and I need to order just the, like just the replacement case. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And he's like, did you go on the website? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm calling you. And I was on hold for like 20 minutes listening to terrible pop music. And he's like, okay. And I was like, then I get a call from the place where I left them. And they're like, oh, hey, we saw you called like 37 times today. And I'm like, yes. Do you have my AirPod case? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Like these people have never heard of AirPods for some reason. So (laughs) I'm like, just call me back if you find a little white box. Okay. So I get back on the phone with the guy at Apple and I'm like, can you please just send me a link to the place where I can buy the replacement case. And he's like, no problem. We sent it to your Apple ID. I'm like, fabulous. So I checked the link. It's to buy a whole new AirPod, like a whole new thing. Mm. And I don't know. I felt like betrayed. I was confused. Meanwhile, my king, Jerry, is at the store buying my stuff. And I just write to him, you know, he's like, hey, do you need anything else while I'm here? And I was like, Jerry, my friend, I'm sure you can tell by my order that I'm kind of going through it right now. (laughs) And if you could just like, you know, don't rush, don't hurt yourself, but time is of the essence here. Cause I, we had to record trend lightly. So I, I am, I'm going to be able to get my iPod case. They found it or my AirPods case. And I'm going to hopefully not have a UTI forever, but you know, that's the news in my world. I was like saved by an app a little. I was very cursed by Apple, which I feel I was having this moment where I was like, I'm fucking done with Apple. It's overrated. Like, why am I a slave to their products and they treat me like this? I was like going to like a very dark place with it. But don't you ever feel that way? Yes. All the fucking time. All the time. I always, I think that sometimes they make it a little too juicy and convenient for us so that when something isn't convenient, e.g. you lose a thing or something runs out of charge, it feels existential. Like I was trying to write some notes the other day and my Apple Pencil had run out of battery and it was like a catastrophic event to me. And I was like, what what universe am I living in where I'm like, sorry, I can't. I'm going to be late for this meeting because my pencil isn't charged. I hate, like, I hate it. I mean, but I'm so deep in the ecosystem. Like I cannot see a way out. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That's exactly what it is. And it's like very concerning to me. Absolutely concerning because I've mostly cried at the Apple store, truthfully. Like, I don't think I've ever gone and been like, oh, so excited to make this purchase, baby. Like, Mm -hmm. anytime I'm there, it's because something that I require for my job has shit the bed on me. And I either (laughs) need to spend $5,000 or it's something like that. It's something like that. And I don't think it's going to get any easier because, like, their products – these see, Apples are for dummies. And that's what I like about it is that I'm a, I'm a dummy. It does not require me to learn more. Like if anything, being dumb gets easier when you have Apple products. Yeah. And so it's like a little scary to think about switching over to the world of like droids and Dells. But like no, I, no. you know, I mean, come on. And it's, I don't know. It's also like classes too. I'm not proud of myself, but I do want to apologize in advance because I'm very self 
no, self-aware isn't the right word. I'm very self-conscious that I might sound mean or rude, but I promise you guys, the only time I ever really get angry is when someone's picking on juggalos. That really makes me angry to my core. Yeah. When someone plagiarizes someone, that makes me (laughs) very angry and then gaslights them for years about it and takes them to court. That makes me angry. Mm -hmm. And like what I'm new to realizing is that when I'm in pain, I get angry, which is interesting because like I always just thought I had a terrible personality. (laughs) It turns out you were just in agony this whole time. I don't think you have a terrible personality. I mean – Like, and the scary part is, is being older now, it's not going to get any better. By the way, wait a minute, back it up. You you said last week that you got me a cameo for my birthday and it came in. (laughs) Guys, it was, what would you do if I told you I am Selena? (laughs) That was that guy. It was that guy. And he made such a sweet little video for me in which most of it he thought I was an Aquarius, then realized I might be a Capricorn and went on to say that he and I would be excellent friends because his best friend is a Cappy. And it was just like, it was so like, I was so overwhelmed by how sweet he was. So <laughs> not not to be that guy, but Bella is, uh, is transitioning. So um... Oh, I didn't know. No, but it's but it's fine. So I just thought, but yeah, truthfully, Super I didn't sweet. know anything about this person. My favorite TikToker, I have to say, like I have to say, super funny, super sweet. One of they did one of my favorite all time TikToks, which is she's lying in bed and she's like, my drug dealer just texts me rainbows, happy pride. <laughs> I just love the idea of getting a text message from a drug dealer that's like pride themed to be like, I I hope she's not doing too many drugs. That concerns me. But wait a minute, not to be like that person because you know what? Do drugs. That's fine. (laughs) But I feel bad that I just misgendered them. Well, yeah, but now you know, but you didn't know before. You're right. And I think we should leave that in because that's an excellent example of what learning looks like. Okay. King of the week. This is a new segment I'm doing probably just this week. (laughs) (laughs) This video was sent to me by my friend Jordan. And, you know, I did mention my soft spot for Juggalos just a moment ago. Let's just play this video. I just don't get it. How hard is it for you guys to understand that if you're not a hot Juggalette, I don't want you? Whoa, whoa. Amen. (laughs) Just Quick is his name. I know. Isn't that... I mean, listen, I'm happy to see the Juggalettes getting the hype they deserve. At last, finally, Juggalette supremacy. I thought that people keep asking me about the gathering. I think for some people it's kind of new info that I'm a Juggalette. And people keep asking me about the gathering. But I thought Violent J got like ass cancer or something. And so they had to stop doing it. And 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 then there was the COVID, obviously. Of course, of course. And they're still putting out new music. I just think that the gathering might not be happening, but I don't know. I'm not mm. sure exactly. I mean, it's it's all it's all kinds of like, I mean, it's how long is it usually? It's like three days or something. Have you seen that? It's probably one of my favorite short form documentaries, American Juggalo. I don't Which like it. You don't like it? No, I don't. I don't like outsiders coming into the community at all. 
Like I'm very, I'm very protective of my people and the tourism that has happened at the gathering is incredibly bothersome to me. Oh man, there's some like, there are some characters in it that I, that live rent free in my head. And I think it's the lady who says, I've doubted the cloud till I'm dead of the ground. She's my favorite. I think about her often and I hope she's doing really well. I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like going into like an AA meeting. Like these people, there's probably not many people in their local area that understand what they're into. And so for like one weekend a year, they get to go be with all of their people. And I don't think it's like, I don't think it's for like the average consumer. I'm still mad about the magnets video because, like, the New York Times made – I mean, they didn't make them, but they offered to interview ICP. So for the first time, this incredibly successful band is, like, in the mainstream, of course, being made fun of. But, like, they're, like, asking them about, like, their Christianity. And it's actually not – it's, like, actually, like, a very – it's a simple song, really. It's about, like, when you, you know, have your kid, which is what happened. One of them had a kid – and they just were like talking about how like the miracles of life, like you have to give it up to God for that, which is their belief. And I can, I just like, I've never seen a platform like the New York Times take any other musical act and question them about their religion and still make it a punchline. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Like why? I mean, like, listen, I'm a huge Beck fan, but I don't think I've ever read the New York Times, the paper of record, asking him why the fuck he's a Scientologist. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, not to be like fucking weird, but just know that like if you were a marginalized citizen, I would go to bat for you this exact same way. Juggalos come one and all. You're welcome. They are. They're special. Okay, wait. So I didn't get to watch this and you did. Yeah. This new Hype House show on Netflix. Hype House is one of the – like it's not the first, but it's one of the – like it's one of the first recent collaborator houses, content houses. Is that what they call it? A content house? Yeah, yeah. And I would say probably – like probably one of the most successful in terms of its output and and reach, I suppose. Yeah. It has birthed many a star, many a TikTok star, because it's kind, kind of TikTok specific. I suppose what Jake Paul was doing with the old Team 10 has now kind of evolved into this brave new world that we find ourselves in. So like, you know, previous graduates from the Hype House would be Charlie... D'Amelio and Addison and I'll go Addison. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's my thing, right? I think like it was started by, is the guy's name Thomas Hall? This is the worst part is I didn't fucking watch the show and I know this. So I think it was started by a guy named Thomas like Halpert, right? Who was a part of team 10, right? Yeah. Thomas, uh, Thomas Petro. Petro. Who's Thomas Halpert? Anyway. If Another that's if I just revealed something weird about myself, don't call the police on me. But <laughs> like the hype house was so interesting in in terms of a content house because I don't know that other people really ran the houses in the same way. Like with Team Ten, a big problem was Jake 
you know, discovering, quote unquote, these stars and then like exploiting them essentially with the promise of fame. Whereas like the Hype House had people that were already blowing up, but maybe didn't live in Los Angeles. That's what happened with like Charlie and Dixie and Addison. They joined when they had already started to have this little boost in fame and then left, like kind of divorced it as soon as they were done. But there's some core people that have been there since the beginning. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't recognize apart from, so in this Hype House Netflix series, it's kind of part, it's, it's not a reality show and it's not quite a docu-series. It's, it's more of a docu-series, I would say actually, than a reality show, but it's, um, a kind of a mix of a retrospective sort of two camera interviews and then just general footage of the, you know, the people within the hype house and the, the hype house itself. And, and actually former members of the hype house. So this sort of, it's, it's more about the group of people than it is necessarily about a sort of an end goal. You're just sort of casually, passively watching things unfold. It's Kardashian-esque in its editing, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I would say so. I would say so. It definitely has more of that vibe to it, but I don't know if it's just because, because for me, the first episode and a half was very much about like establishing this house and these characters and kind of explaining, I suppose, what this was. So it's not like you're kind of thrown in and it's like, okay, like, like we're doing this, like this is the story catch up. It's like, there's a lot of informing that has to happen at the, at the very, very beginning. Yeah. It feels a little bit more documentary style, but Nikita Dragon is in the hype house, which I thought was kind of odd. And Nikita Dragon is, she's 25 and feels significantly older than the other. 100%. 100%. And I mean, that felt, felt like a, sort of like a retrofitting where they were like, we need someone who is not just, you know, you like 20 year old idiots. And Nikita had, I would say like somewhat legitimate YouTube fame before and is also incredibly Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. to look at. And yeah, I don't know that she was part of the hype house. I think that truthfully, if it wasn't Nikita, it could have been James Charles. hundred percent. And I, I don't mean to sound super cynical, but the current castmates of the Hype House are, I could not pick them out of a lineup. They are all white and young and of a certain age, white cisgendered of a certain age. You know, they are very, they're very sort of nothing. And I don't mean that in a shady way, but there isn't anyone who really stands out. And Nikita by comparison is like, she is the person that I'm kind of drawn to whenever she's on screen in the sort of limited amount I've watched it, but it's very dry. And the other thing that occurred to me is like, they're showing these sort of fabulous lives that these young people are living. And I found it quite depressing <laughs> because there's a scene where one of the guys couldn't tell you which one, even if it, he had a, was wearing a name badge. What did what did he look like? He looked like a white guy with a lot of hair, blonde. Yeah, that's I think that's Alex Warren. 
I think, who is like, he started following the David Dobrik vlog model and really blew up over quarantine because David stopped making his vlogs. And he, they all lived in, I think, what used to be the former Sway House or, or where, what's it called? Where Rice Gum used to live. Those like right. two identical houses in Hollywood with elevators. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay, I'm just looking at him now. Yep, this very well could be him. I actually, can I say that I'm surprised, you know, I have to watch my boyfriend Logan Paul's podcast when when I feel. And there was, I was just like cleaning one day and I had it on and I was listening to this kid and I really think that Alex Warren is a good boy. I think he's a good boy who had like a tough hand in life and figured out something that made him happy. I think he's a positive boy. And I like that his girlfriend is so fucking normal, like normal looking, normal acting, maybe even a little boring mm. and has like a has like a human body. Like she looks like a regular person who like got famous. And I th- I think that's great. Yeah. And so does he actually. I mean, I think what I say it was depressing. It's because there's this little scene and I think it's episode two where he's talking about how his views have started to dip and how he needs to get them back up. And so he's doing this sort of video about him doing some sort of astronaut training and talking about how much money he spends putting into his vlogs. And I was like, God, that's, I know that that is the reality of it, which is that you have like a very real metric for success in this game, but there's something that sort of kills me a little bit inside (laughs) that like someone who's already really young is talking about the end of his career in like, in within this sort of like anxiety panicked way, he's just like, yeah, you know, and I, you know, my view, my numbers are going down and it's not, it's, you know, they're not, they're not like totally bad yet, but like, you know, it's not like the end of my career, but you know, I need to get them back up. And it's like, oh my God, the responsibility on your shoulders. I want to mother you. I want to- <laughs> well, I know he does need a mom. Uh, his mom, I think passed away recently from oh. alcoholism or something, but like, yeah, I mean, it's that's it's tough, right? Because on one hand, I want to support someone having that much of an acute reality about how fleeting social media success is. Like you're really if you're doing it right, you're saving all your money. And putting it into content is fine, but Ideally, if you're making a, a decent amount of money off the internet, you're throwing it into a bank account and not touching it because people liked you for when you were broke. So mm-hmm. you really don't have to like, I don't know, make your overhead insane. That's again, it's why I think Mr. Beast is like, has figured out the key to success on the platform. But can we talk about this New episode I haven't seen. I don't know if you've seen it either, but from what I saw, maybe Deaf Noodles put it up on IG or something. Larray, who was he's one of the members of this house. I know that he also had like a conversation with Nikita about her blackfishing on the show. <laughs> he apparently tested positive for COVID and then went to a big party, which was such a it was like a nonstop topic of discussion, I feel, online and and maybe also generally in Los Angeles when this pandemic was just 
rolling and rolling and rolling. It was like, mm. who, like, how are these people all getting together and partying? You were, people were getting canceled for whatever that means, mad at for a weekend for going to parties, like big, you know, birthday parties, Halloween parties. And I think we all kind of knew that they were getting tested and going to parties when they were sick anyway. But I'm, I, I can't believe that he slipped like that. Yeah, right, because it was for his birthday party last year. So Nikita threw him a party at the Hype House and James Charles was there. And Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody kind of kicked off about it. And I think like Emma Chamberlain and Charlie and like a lot of the people that are considered to be sort of like family friendly, brand friendly. And like, you know, I think Emma in particular has just she has such a potential career ahead of her so it was wild to see someone like her there but it seems like everyone was breaking the rules and it makes me wonder if this exact same pandemic had happened when I was 23 I feel like I probably I probably would have still been good because I'm an anxious person but it would be very difficult to be as safe as I've been yeah. I have to say though. <laughs> I mean, I can guarantee you the party was not that lit because there's a scene. So one of the people on the TV show is um Chase Hudson, who's the former boyfriend of Charlie D'Amelio. And there's this scene where 
it's sort of Charlie sort of hanging about and she comes into the house and they're sort of having dinner or they're getting ready to have dinner and it's they're just kind of all sort of standing around there's like people kind of coming in and out and I think it's supposed to be like wow what a fun happening place where like people just drop in and everyone's really famous and like Nikita's all glammed up and she's got a friend there and and like (laughs) it was so painfully awkward it was so painfully teenage it was just kind of people in a kitchen standing around a kitchen island on their phones that I was like this this lacks a little bit of of the edge for me of like I I know that living in the team 10 house would have been hell on earth and I know that Jake Paul is completely unhinged but like there was a there was a kind of magic edge to having someone who was just so deeply off the rails kind of bouncing around and doing shit that was like oh I'm gonna look at that because I think something terrible is gonna happen with the hype house it's just very blah it's like there's not there's no real jeopardy or no real danger so whatever this party was I can guarantee you it's like you know probably wasn't that exciting And definitely not when Netflix was there anyway, because truthfully, a lot of these people are underage, and I'm sure a lot of, like, the drinking and drug use that certainly goes on was contained to after the party anyway. But, no, it's it reminds me of this sort of, like, community mindset you might have had maybe in, like, the... 80s, 90s, and early 2000s where it's like, okay, I'll just like get a flop house going (laughs) and people can come and go and we'll just live together and try and be creative and go on auditions and do this and that all the time. It very much, it has that vibe to it where it's like you guys all have the money to get your own apartment and then just have like a community working space that you all go to. But that's not fun. That's not like a fun, sexy thing to market because there are places that do that, that are just, you know, places people pull up to do different sorts of stuff. And that's not, you know, living in everyone living in a one bedroom in a different shitty part of Hollywood isn't as sexy, I guess, maybe as the idea of like also it being co-ed living because you and I, now that I'm thinking about it, you and I, it doesn't, Like, there's nothing interesting about that. But if you're, like, the target audience for them, which is, like, 12 to 15, and you see all these boys and girls living in a house together, and, like, you think they're all really, like, attractive, and you are entertained by these, like, dumb dances they do, there's, like, a sort of, like, boy-girl sleepover element to it that might be tolerating to a young adult. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sexual awakening behavior. Big time. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Okay, wait. So this is a story I I didn't really want to cover, but it is kind of linked to the hype house. So there's this guy that went viral probably like three weeks ago because he has on on TikTok because he rents the smallest apartment in New York City. Mm -hmm. And if you follow like realtor TikTok at all, you've probably seen this apartment before, but it's like $1,100 a month, I think. And it is, you know, it's built if you want to be an adult with a bunk bed. That's exactly what it's built for. Yeah. So he goes viral for being the person who's actually renting this tiny little apartment everyone's seen. And then like a week or two later, he announces that he's actually in New York to act and he's about to audition for Juilliard. And 
his name, this again, this kid's name's Axel. And he auditions for Juilliard, does not get in. And it turns into a whole thing because over the, you know, week and a half that these people have all been together, I think one thing we can say consistently is that if you're on TikTok regularly, we've seen this so much, it doesn't take a very long time for things to escalate to a place where people are, it's like, that's the real parasocial relationship. Like forget the comedian, like cheating on his wife with like the famous actress. That's what people call a parasocial relationship. Parasocial relationship is when some moron named Axel doesn't get into Juilliard and there's like (laughs) thousands and thousands of people like blowing up the Juilliard Instagram. And in fact, a bunch of people were leaving comments on like a, a professor who had recently died like memorial photo and it was getting you know really embarrassing and out of control and that's when i think so jeremy o'harris who depends on where you might know him from for me i knew him first as the guy who wrote slave play and then i think now he's also really known for his like being a producer on euphoria And he got together with Taylor Lorenz, who I think she's still with the New York Times. I'm not totally sure. And they did this sort of like round table where they were trying to figure out the Axel of it all because it turns out that Axel was followed by some Hype House creators and then was seen partying with them another time. And now we're finding out that there was like potentially a mutual manager that Axel signed with after the fact. And like, that's not uncommon, actually. If you've ever like signed with like, I I don't know. I mean, this is for the 3% of the audience, but like if you've ever like signed with like a new manager or something, if you're in the entertainment industry, it's not uncommon for them to like sort of welcome you on by having you, you know, do general meetings with some of their biggest and best clients who are doing it as a favor to your new manager. Like there can be a lot of like energy building around you. And I think that that is what we're witnessing, but it did turn into a little bit of a conspiracy about whether or not Axel, there was something like deeply inauthentic about even the kind of like, I don't know, nature of his living in that apartment and trying out for Juilliard. Like was the whole thing sort of a scam. And I think Jeremy referred to it as being fascinated by like online theater, which there's something to that. I don't know. But there was this video made by a creator that I felt summed it up pretty well in terms of like the big picture and how I personally feel about it. Um, Let me play. This is by Live Authentic being white means that you were you have the ability to fail upwards because how are you going to audition for a school a prestigious school that has an acceptance rate of seven seven percent with no prior acting experience like this is your first time acting and then everybody on the internet gets mad at the school for being prestigious and then you get a contract with one of the most elite modeling agencies in the world Y'all gonna say I'm bitter, and I'm gonna say yes, I am bitter because people actually work so hard for these things, and a person who has no experience and just vibes gets it. Y'all are sick. Y'all are sick. You know, I understand this frustration that she has because it is so typical, and 
I don't know. I'm going to say like Charlie Puth was one of the first like celebrities to make a video being like, don't worry, Axel. I got rejected from Juilliard too. I, Charlie Puth is a red flag for me. <laughs> I know. Same. Same. To be honest, I don't know too much about him, but I do know that I get a, I get a feeling. Because it's like he's too sensitive. You can tell like he's not really good at taking jokes about himself, which is interesting. Yeah. He shows the sensitivity on his face, which is fine. Be sensitive. But I'm sensitive. But it's like, I don't know. It's like I think it's the David Dobrik connection that makes me a little bit uneasy. Mm. Feels like his hands are in some strange pockets. You know what I'm saying? And I just, whenever I see him, that doesn't, that doesn't contribute to the idea that this is just like some crazy wild thing that happened to Axel. Like, I I feel like there's almost too much. Coincidence. People are are relying on Charlie Puth as like a, I don't know, a compass of, of honesty or something way too much for me. I don't know what it is about it. Cause maybe it's cause he's blonde. I don't know. (laughs) Or because like, he has perfect pitch and people act like he has some sort of disability because of it. And I'm sure it is maybe a little bit maddening to like everywhere you go, you're like, that's a G flat. But like I could, I mean, I could say the same thing about watching any sort of media. I feel like media in general is also ruined for me, but I don't, I'm not going to act like, you know, something happened to me at birth. No, I was going to say as well, I mean, this is going to be a wild, unsubstantiated claim. So don't come for me with libel, anything. But I get a coercive vibe from Charlie Pluth. Is that fucked up to say? Oh, like, what do you mean? Like, I feel like he would be like a nice guy that someone would date. Right. And then you would like go and hang out and then you'd like maybe not want to sleep with him. And then he would like be like, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. But like would be coercive in some way. I just get a vibe. I understand. I understand what you mean. I truthfully, I never got that exact exact vibe from him, but maybe that's what I'm picking up on with like what seems to be some sort of sense of undue sensitivity where it's like, Mm. calm down. You are a huge star. One thing I will always be thankful to Charlie Puth for, though, is – and I was – I did defend him during this, I think, just to the people who didn't care on my Twitter. But do you remember when Noah Cyrus sent Lil Xan a photoshopped nude of Charlie Puth? <laughs> And and Lil Xan took that as like she was cheating on him, and like meanwhile, it's like clearly some like playgirl beauty shot of like a guy with like a massive dong standing <laughs> under a waterfall with like Charlie Puth's face on it. And I, you know, I mean, it was at the time I was kind of like, okay, perfect, because I love Lil Xan, I really do, but not his music, just like his lore. <laughs> But it was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that, like, people are passing around this fake nude of Charlie Puth (laughs) as some sort of, like, way to justify whose side they're on in this insane argument. I don't know. It just does it for me. Can we get into Azalea? Yes. Yeah, this is the big story of the week, really. It's the Kanye of it all. It sure is. So... 
I've seen a lot of people saying that like this isn't our place to comment on because like it does get into family and kids. And that's where I'm going to push back and say, are you stupid? Yes, it is. Like (laughs) the Kardashians have made their entire lives our business. And Kanye especially has also done that. And so I love our, our soothsayer, Azalea Banks, coming through and throwing down some real shit. So basically the Three days ago, Azalea made one of her classic sort of Instagram rants. She's like, I I believe, permanently banned from Twitter, like Marjorie Taylor Greene status. But she got on video and apparently Kanye had called her recently to do a collaboration and she shut it down. She didn't like that he had her phone number. We'll play the clips. Don't worry. You're going to hear all of this and we'll talk in between the different clips. But there's like a seven slide Instagram post she made. And the caption reads this. This is all the energy your hoe ass is getting from me. Next round, I'm hand- I'm handling you differently. I don't like being annoyed and being around you is fucking atrocious. You stink from the inside out. Your attitude is rude as hell. You always got something to say about women's clothes and are a wormy ass overall. No doubt you have a tapeworm with all that junk food you eat. You are, <laughs> you, you are an exhausted high sodium stunt queen. <laughs> don't ask me for anything ever. And then she writes, Kanye ain't got no bread. That's why he's with trailer bum white bitches. The elite white puss, he said, smell like a McChicken. They don't want him. (laughs) I just, quick sidebar, I have to say, I love when Azalea Banks suddenly decides to come for someone because I don't know if you saw but she came she went for Abby Lee Miller last week (laughs) she put up up an Instagram story that I think it said Abby Lee Miller I'm coming for you bitch (laughs) (laughs) why no no further context and I haven't been able to find anything else about it since like just it just was like randomly she said it so fuck I mean (laughs) I just think it's so fucked up that like she really is so talented and I'm not excusing like the deeply fucked up things she said. Like she's been incredibly transphobic. Like she's, you know, listen, our girl is not always entirely well, Mm. but at the same time, no one has ever made more sense than her. She is a fucking poet. If she was a man, it would be a completely different story. She is like in a lot of ways, the female Kanye. Yes. Where it's like she's just a person who, you know, is dealing with mental illness. And for some reason, she's just been like so much more persecuted for it. And I think that that has led to a lot of her lashing out and anger. And I feel her on that. For sure. For sure. I mean, there are some absolutely diabolical things that she has said. But she cannot, you can't deny the talent of the woman. And strangely, like, I feel very endeared and protective of her because I feel like the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. (laughs) Right. I could fix her. You know what I mean? I feel like that's this is another one where it's like, AB, take my phone number. When you feel like it, we can talk. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get you in a great place because you deserve it, queen. This is me being like Sachin, like the 
again that was talking to Nikki. Nikki Minaj, don't worry about it. Get in the studio, Nikki. <laughs> Do you know him? Okay. I'm going to start off the first slide. She's wearing like a it is in the style of a Make America Great Again type hat. I can't really see what it says right now, but it has her own signature on it. It's like falling apart. She's wearing like baby pink, which I don't think I've ever seen her like pull this. I don't know. She looks like a a New England girl, frankly. I've never seen her do this look before. But okay, let's start with video one. I was chilling in my bees. I had completely forgotten about some fucking project. I mean, I completely forgotten about the fucking money. I'm going to go my fucking life. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how you got this new number. Because I definitely changed my number after all that shit went down. Um, but number one, please respect the fact that I'm a public figure and respect my privacy. And don't be giving my number out to nobody. Okay? I don't know how you got this number. If you wanna, if, 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 if you have a message to get to me, you can hit up Alex Chaikin at APA agency.com you, you don't need to know my manager my lawyer my old dad like nah you stay where you at you stay over there where you at nigga right now and we see you show up for your like little photo op with your kids here and there or whatever but it's largely kim kardashian that is raising all four of those children you know um, in 2012, when you got in the New York Times and said, Azealia Banks is the future of music, we have had 10 years to collab since then. Now that you have broken up with your wife and you're doing all kind of extra shit, you want to you wanna collab now? Why don't you take, take one of them first? I would have canceled it. <laughs> but you 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 gotta leave things versus already. Let me tell you something, honey. Baby, I am a child of fucking Yamaya, okay? I'm a child of Yamaya. I'm a very fierce protector of and we clip three is when things get good. Now, I know I'm a Harlem bitch, I'm from the block, yeah, it ghetto here and there, you know what I'm saying? Like no, sometimes I like to do bird shit with my bird friends. But listen, I'm a child of Yamaya. I don't, I, spiritually, spiritually, I would never join anybody in trying to disturb the peace the, the, and the happiness of a woman who is, a woman who has to raise children. Four children, you know. Um, you you go for your photo ops and all that, but like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, you have plenty of time to fucking collab with me. Plenty of fucking time to collab with me. I'm not I'm not getting involved in whatever little shit you got going on right now. So, I think this is noble. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. This might have happened like shortly after we recorded last week, but. Kanye is dating Julia Fox, who is a model turned actress. I believe she's also an artist. And she's gorgeous. She was in the movie Uncut Gems, which I haven't seen. But I know that 
a lot of my friends who had been following her work were like so pumped that she was getting sort of that mainstream attention. And like he's been doing the he's been doing the Kanye thing with her. Like they did a photo shoot at Carbone where like Interview Magazine had her write up a little paragraph about what it was like going out to dinner with Kanye and doing these photos after he took her to a hotel room where the entire suite was filled with clothing that was meant to fit her. Kanye also got into he's facing like a assault charge in Los Angeles, an assault charge right now in Los Angeles because he was leaving the Soho warehouse where he was partying with like Madonna. It's the most haunting video I've ever it seen. It is. It really truly is. It's like a bunch of people in a room. Madonna is sat next to Kanye and she's kind of dancing and Kanye's there and sort of Julia sort of draped on him, over him, near him, sort of like a the sort of the way you sit at a house party when you're a teenager. That's exactly what it is, Tiffany. That's exactly you you nailed it so beyond. It's like they are the they looked like the kids. Do you remember in high school there was always a couple that was like so sad to be in love? they looked like those people that were just like tortured by like the world that was coming between them Mm. but like in what way like you couldn't do your homework together and (laughs) there's Madonna who's just being like the ultimate try hard and like throwing her hands around this young girl that's sitting in front of her who like definitely does not Madonna does need to like review consent I think oh yeah but he's been pulling a lot of like stunts like that. And Azalea brings up like a great point, which is that he he's trying to do something that makes no sense. Right. I mean, it makes no sense other than he's doing this to hurt Kim. So she's going to continue on. Honestly, mother of the year. Not even a mother, but still mother of the year here, AB. Okay. Yeah. I really got to tell you, you look like a fucking straight-ass bird. You look like a straight-ass fucking bird. You know what I'm saying? Because an unhappy mother will fucking raise some unhappy kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, here in America, we watched you tell that woman that she was not enough for you every fucking day. You know, after the project fell through, like, I really really didn't fucking like Kim Kardashian. You know? I I really hated the bitch. And I had to really think back on it, like, just after this, like, you know, like, after these, like, this, this bullshit right here, I'm just like, no, she has every fucking right. Because this, this nigga got the audacity think he could stomp around with a bag of, greasy bag of fucking McDonald's. And smell like <laughs> a fucking, your scalp probably smell like a chicken nugget. You know, getting dead and all that. And then tell you that you're not enough for him. She's going full Michelle Obama let's move campaign on fast food. Azalea Banks will not take it. I mean, well, if Azalea Banks does anything, it's police the diets of other people. She definitely (laughs) she definitely has rules about what is allowed to enter every human's body. I mean, my favorite thing she's ever said was Rihanna in parentheses, poor digestion, because I, it, the, the wildest thing you can do in my opinion is diagnose the sexiest woman possibly in recorded history of the world and saying she has poor digestion. I mean, what? this it's, it's, uh, it's beyond. 
<laughs> what a read. <laughs> so then she continues on, of course, you know me and my Swifty ass. This was great because she's, I'm watching my girl. She's just, she's hitting all the marks here. This is great. Hold on. So I really had to get into it. Like you love, ba- you love beefing with bitches. Like what is that about? Like how you beef with Taylor Swift, nigga? You not hard. You not hard. Okay. Listen. I don't know when the next time they're going to update the Great American Songbook, but <laughs> it might be two, two, three, four, five songs in there by Taylor Swift. You know what I'm saying? John Mayer's Daughters is definitely going in there. That's some shit. <laughs> I probably not a single Kanye West song is going to end up in the Great American Songbook. It's not. It's not, nigga. It's not. It's not. There's two more videos, but like, <laughs> I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. The great American songbook reference is iconic, but the random like stand for John Mayer thing. I don't, what do you think about Daughters as a song? Do you know I'm not a I'm 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 not au fait with a lot of John Mayer's music, so I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah, I is as the kids would say, that song gives me the ick, but that's also because I don't have a father, I think maybe. So I'm just like, ew, like you know what I mean? <laughs> like the song to me basically is like, Yeah, your daughter's gonna grow up and I'm gonna fuck her, so don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic John Mayer. <laughs> So you were the one who told me that she had also posted some stories that were accusing him of some pretty serious stuff. And I don't think that she really fucks around like that. Like, I don't think she – the realest thing about the type of stuff she says is that no one would lie about this. No, it's it's like – with the whole Grimes and Elon Musk thing, it's like, it's so crazy that it has to be true. I remember thinking like, what the fuck? Like, why is Azalea Banks like kicking off about Grimes? But then I was like, no, this definitely fucking happened. Like, because she's an, she's an outlier. And I don't think, I don't think she would have any reason to lie. I don't think she gives a fuck what people think. I think she just says it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and obviously that's a liability. People don't love that. Yes, big time. Big time. But, I mean, if you're not doing anything bad, why should you be afraid? I don't know. But she goes on to say, do you mind reading them, the photos from Instagram? Yeah, so she posts, lol, Kanye is snorting dog food, brackets, heroin, with this girl already. I didn't know dog food was slang for heroin. I think because it's like... Allegedly. I've never seen heroin, but I do understand it to be like brown and crumbly. Oh, right. Brown. Okay, great. (laughs) That makes sense. It's confirmed. (laughs) I'm sorry. Keep going. It's confirmed. Divorce, Virgil, grieving his mum, and a dirty junkie who was shooting up while she was pregnant equals calamity. Y'all gassing him up now but going to be calling him a dope head in three months. And then she goes on to say, 
just turned down a Kanye collab request twice in one week. He's like officially useless garbage on his own. If he can stop being corny and make amends with Jay for Watch the Throne 2, brackets, which probably won't happen, Jay doesn't play that dirty dopehead shit, I might consider. But I'd rather collab with Doja Cat than Kanye at this point. She's making better music than him. What I can't figure out is when she says I'd rather collab with Doja Cat, is that like a, is that a, is that shady to Doja Cat? Is she like, oh, I'd rather collab with Doja Cat than Kanye? No, like, she's saying like Doja Cat is, is the shit. what Kanye was. Right. Well, one thing I will say about Doja, who I love, is that her catalog is actually so incredibly fucking diverse where you're hearing 12 different sounds on the same album. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's that's really her... To me, there's like, I mean, I don't know, one of her many talents to me and one of the things that I find so attractive about her as an artist is that she, every single song, you don't skip to the next song in her album and hear sort of similar beats or a similar tone. She's just like such a multi-talented artist who plays in so many genres that, I mean, I, I get it. I think that, you know, listen, Kanye really is one of the greatest in my mind. But I had this realization this week. This man does not have dick. No what? No (laughs) fucking way. He does not. This man cannot lay pipe. No. This man will not satisfy a woman. Mm -hmm. He probably is like, would think it's gay to satisfy a woman. Like he's very, (laughs) like this man is very underwhelming when you think about what the ins and outs of a day would be like with him. And that's consistent throughout his career. Like it was, he had a terrible relationship with Amber. I never thought there was anything sexual about his relationship with Amber Rose. No, the Kanye and Kim thing was so great because they're just so they seemed like two parts of like some same demented object, and mm-hmm. it was like I, I think I don't know. I'll say it was a Kim Kardashian appreciator that it was like okay, she's with someone who's on her level. And he really raised her profile a lot. And that was great. But I mean, I don't think that they, as soon as they were having surrogates, even though I know Kim has like a pregnancy journey, as soon as they were having surrogates, I was like, oh, they they for sure were just like, don't fuck. Oh, 100%. Do you remember, did you ever see that um, that video Vice was doing ages ago about sort of party stories? And it was D'Antwood, like Ninja from D'Antwood talking about when he went over and met Kanye West and Drake was there. Did you ever see that? No, tell me. It's insane. So, and excuse me, I'm paraphrasing. We can put the link in the show notes. But from what I remember, Ninja for some reason goes and is spending some time at Kanye's house. And there's a bunch of other crazy shit. I think they play some basketball and like Drake turns up or maybe I'm sort of, I'm conflating this, I think with that Dave Chappelle print story. (laughs) But there's definitely... Wait, hang on. But there's definitely a bit that there's definitely a bit where Kanye and Ninja like sit down in their like in like the home in like a home theater kind of room and Kanye puts on some like really graphic porn and then he's like, Do you want some banana pudding? Like my mm. wife makes the best banana pudding. And then he and then he gets some Kim Kardashian made banana pudding. And then Ninja and Kanye sit watching porn, eating banana pudding together. I love banana pudding. (laughs) I do. It's so good. It's like such a disappointment to me. I mean, I know I can have it without vanilla wafers, but it is devastating. 
I did. I that sounds familiar. Here's the thing: if you told me that guys didn't do that, I would have a harder time believing you than any. Like, I feel like guys do probably sit around and watch porn together. That would. Be, that's really weird, though. That's so it? weird. It's. Tiny. I just don't know. I don't know the male experience. Like, I think that. <laughs> Men are really gross and like it wouldn't – that doesn't feel like something that like very wealthy men wouldn't do. <laughs> oh, wait. Hang on. I think I found the – I think I found – I found I found the article. So he he did have – um they did have a game of basketball with Drake and then they lost. So Ninja and Kanye settled in to watch Star Wars until the point where, quote, as I started talking about a song, he switched on anal sex porno and asked Ninja if he liked banana pudding. Quote, I don't know if pudding is dessert if it means the same thing. It turned out not to be a euphemism for the sort of videos you post people for blocking, but Kim Kardashian's best dessert. So yeah, Kim makes a mean banana pudding and Kanye got bored of watching Star Wars and put porn on instead. Those Kardashian girls love their desserts and I really yes. do believe they make great desserts. Okay. So wait, here's the thing. I realized that because of the prevalence of heroin abuse and use in our society, you might not know a heroin addict when you see one. We definitely know like the cartoon of the people who are like deeply thro- in the throes of their addiction and are just nodding out on the street or whatever. But Azalea's commitment to Julia Fox being a heroin addict is fascinating because she goes, LOL, when Kim and Drake inspire, okay, so it says, it's like a TMZ article that she screenshot and it says, Kim Kardashian is cool with Kanye West dating Julia Fox. So she writes, LOL, when Kim and Drake inspired to send legendary heroin addict into orchestrate an overdose so she can finally own every single Kanye West master ever and her and Drake can fucking peace. <laughs> Your black ass was crying on my phone for two months about how Kris Jenner wanted you dead. <laughs> TBH dying of a heroin overdose might be the most iconic thing Kanye's done in years. <laughs> Kanye immortalized. That's actually legendary. So, I mean, I'm listen, I'm open to the idea that Julia Fox is does heroin. I'm open to that idea. And maybe that was a clue as to what was really happening on that couch, why they looked so incredibly chilled out. But what do you like? What do you what do you make of that? Why do you think she would say that? Well, so I asked my friend Amy about this, who actually had initially sent me the Azalea stories. And I was like, what what do you uh, like? What do you mean? What is this? You know, what is this whole thing? And she said that Kat Monell's her her bestie so there's that julian fox made some sort of photo book which showed her or another woman injecting heroin and i think she's spoken openly about it as very much in cat manel's circle so i guess that's where azalea is getting it from right okay so well then that. there you go i buy that 100 association i think by the way cat marnell's sister emily is an iconic but very dark tiktok follow hmm. okay yeah she's like I don't know. She's going through it. And sometimes she like puts tea there that that actually that does actually feel illegal to read, not in an Azalea Banks way. But this leads up to Kanye making posts yesterday that he allegedly wasn't allowed at Chicago's birthday party. And I have like one major 
I'm going to bump on this in one major way, but let's listen to what he has to say first. This has been passed around quite a bit. Whenever he's making public pleas, I know he's in a bad place because this is a man who has access to any and everything. And when he's turning to the internet, it's not great. I'm just wishing my daughter a public happy birthday. I wasn't allowed to know where her party was. There's nothing legal. They're saying that these are the kind of games that's being played. At the light, it's the kind of thing that right really Boulevard. has affected my health for the longest. Uh, and I'm just not playing. I'm not letting, I'm taking control of my narrative this year. I'm being the father, the best father, the yay version of a father. And I'm, I'm not finna let this happen. And we're going to be in real time take a slight right with this turn right here. North. Chicago, happy birthday. I love you, and I'm just putting this online because I need y'all support. I didn't call Kim, text the nannies. I got on the phone with Tristan. He he said, he asked Chloe, won't nobody give me the address to my daughter's birthday party right now? And that's going to imprint in her mind that I wasn't there for her. You get what I'm saying? Like, I ain't, this, uh, this, I was supposed to be in Miami recording my album. I'm, my whole schedule is all based around me being able to take my kids to school, me being there for them, making sure that I'm in their life. That's the whole point of having money. They take so many fathers just throughout America. They've been taking the fathers out of the homes purposely. So I'm speaking up. I'm using my voice to say, this ain't gonna keep happening. This narrative is not gonna happen. It's a lot of people that's not in a position where they ain't got no voice when people be playing games like this. Baby mamas be playing games. The grandmama be playing games like this. And it's like, as y'all know, they ain't finna play like that with, with me. So, okay, here's my thing. There's nothing about the Kardashians that has ever made me think that they don't want their loser baby daddies in their life. No, quite the opposite, actually. Quite the opposite. I would say of all of the all of the various sort of misadventures of the of the Kardashian adjacent men, the one thing that they are is very they, they can be very sort of traditional when it comes to family and gender roles. And I would find it really, really difficult to believe that Kanye was denied access to Chicago's birthday party for anything other than a truly legitimate reason. Yeah. And and one reason that's like kind of going around and that I actually really believe, which is that he didn't ask about going to the birthday party. He didn't ask if there was birthday plans. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that like occurred to him a little late, like, oh shit, wasn't Chicago born this month? I mean, he doesn't seem to be around much. He never mm-hmm. has. And Kim was always talking about how he'd be living in different states and just away from the family for months and months on end. So it felt this like sense of urgency he had about getting into the party felt very like misplaced and odd. And Again, you're, yeah, you're right. Like, it does seem like something must have gone very wrong if, like, maybe he throws tantrums in front of the kids and the birthday was supposed to be a safe space from that. Right, or he's on heroin. And that's a really good point, Tiffany. Oh, my God. My co-host is so smart, you guys. Do you have a smart friend like Tiffany? I don't know. Like, 
that's such a great idea. No, truthfully, because one thing, well, one thing I loved in the press this week is that it's like come out what I always assumed, which is that Pete Davidson has not met these children. No, of course not. And so I think like, yeah, I mean, Kim, uh, like Kanye is obviously like having a major reaction to the fact that he can't get his way out of this one. But like when you look at this family with everything Scott has done, I would say that there seems to be like at least a couple of the people in this family who would say that Scott is one of their best friends. For sure. And he's still included in all the family vacations. He's still part of the the unit. And I get the impression that with that family, if you're if you're under the wing and you're sort of taken under the wing, you are pretty much there for the long haul unless you severely fuck up. Because I think even when, you know, Chloe and Lamar weren't together, but Lamar was having those sort of, when he was hospitalized and he was really in a bad place, the family did kind of reabsorb him a little bit. They did support him. And similarly, you know, Tristan's going through this horrible thing of his own making, I should add. I don't think that Tristan's like a victim in any of this. But the the family seems to have allowed like closed ranks because the thing that Kanye says in that video is that he like called Tristan to find out about the party. And it's like, oh, so Tristan was there. No, this is the second. This is the second part. He makes like the after video. And we have to play this one, too, because like. The social dynamics that are portrayed here are so, they feel so right to me. Like, I know that this is probably as close as, it, as it, the, to the truth of what went down that we'll get. But, like, also, I just want to throw this out. What he's doing here, if you have, like, if you had parents who were separated or a father that was absentee and then would try to, you know, scoot in when he wanted to for, you know, whether it be his own ego or just wanting to feel like they had someone around. This is like not unfamiliar behavior at all. No. This sort of like, oh, I'm wronged. I mean, this is what you, if you want to find out what this is, this is men's activists or men's, men's rights activists Reddit basically. Mm -hmm. So here's this video about how he actually got into the party. He seems satisfied with himself after the event. Yo, I'm so happy right now. I just came from Shy's party and I just got to shout out to Travis Scott for sending me the address and the time and making sure that I was able to spend the spend that birthday memory with my daughter to be there with the rest of the family and I just saw everybody. It was uh, you know, Chris and Corey and Kylie. Kylie let me in right when I got to the spot cuz the security you know, stop me once again when I got there. And, you know, it's just a matter of just having a conversation, open dialogue, and it was just, everyone just had a great time. And I'm just really happy that I could be there for my children. I just want to thank everybody for their support in this situation, you know, and just let me just calmly and legally take control of my narrative. Oh, I know we disagree. Uh, people have different opinions on a lot of different things that I do, but with this one, this is my main focus. My life centers around my children, and I just had a great time today. Thank everybody for their support. Peace. The the party was at um, 
Kylie's house, right? Because in the pictures, uh, Stormy's playhouse is right there in the background. Yeah. So like, you know, as he said in the first video, he basically was like, Tristan and Chloe are still together. Um, (laughs) But then in this one, yeah, I mean, it was at Kylie's house. It just, something about this doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Like, I feel like we already know there's a lot more to the story, but like just the idea of the husband, the former husband, off talking to Chris, who we know, I mean, she knows all about blended families. We know that she is like used to entertaining the best and the worst of them. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like he was probably like just off to the side, like just witnessing and being like a cold and sort of removed dad. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's okay to like, by the way, you're not on the best of terms with like the mother or father of your child to host separate events. Like I feel like Kanye could throw Chicago world. You know what I mean? He could have that type of party for her if he wanted to do it, but he would rather sort of make himself the victim publicly and show up to this party. He didn't plan. And, you know, of course, including here, very blatantly that it's within his legal rights to be mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is very, I mean, I don't envy, I don't, I've, I've never really envied Kim Kardashian's situation, but I especially don't when I see stuff like this, cause it's just so real. Right. And I think when, when Kanye was under the wing, when he was fully firmly part of that sort of Kardashian, like, cube which is like a fortress a family fortress that kind of moves around you when you're inside it he was obviously off doing stuff saying stuff rocking the boat outside of that but he always had I suppose one he was always he was always under the umbrella of it so there was a sort of a a level of control that I think the Kardashians could have. I mean, as much as one can control someone like Kanye, who can't be really reined in. But I think that like, it's interesting. I thought that he would be kicking off more about more things. I thought he'd be saying more stuff in public. I thought that once he got out from under that umbrella, that he would be a little more free and maybe we would see like a spike of you know, maybe Kanye tweeting again and, and all of this, that kind of stuff. But he didn't. And I was like, oh, that's really odd. And then I'm like, well, no, it isn't odd because the keeping that relationship flowing and sweet is the key to him being able to have a relationship with his children. And, and I also think that Kanye was someone who obviously had a relationship, really close relationship with his mother and he lost her and, and didn't really have the same he didn't have in any way close to the same upbringing that Kim had which is this big family with lots of siblings like very very tight very close like very sort of shared holidays and I think that being part of that was probably quite intoxicating to to him to be able to feel a sense of family and when you've had that and then suddenly you're not having it it must feel a little unsettling because it's like you're not just not going on the family vacations, which you can give or take, because we know that towards the end of their relationship, he wasn't really that present. He was always in Wyoming. But now the family basically has to get, 
close ranks around and protect the core members of which is Kim and Carney's always going to be out in the cold. Yeah. I mean, oh, so many things to say to that. Like there is something about, it does feel like he's trying to like maintain a level of like, this is my domain with Mm -hmm. uh, this behavior. The Twitter thing in particular is so interesting because I, I always viewed his behavior on Twitter as like, a very Kim centric tantrum where like he was trying to poke at the Kardashians directly Mm -hmm. when he would act like that on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And because he knows that that's their medium, like Kanye has never been a social media person ever, but when he starts shit on social media this time now, I think with, you know, Instagram, I think it's because he also doesn't want he doesn't want to conflate the two. He's like, on Twitter, I just sort of like go mental and like tweet emojis and broad statements. But then like this Instagram video, it's just very manipulative. It's incredibly manipulative. And yeah, I've often, well, what do you think about the notorious Flintstones family Halloween photo? Did you think it was? <laughs> no, he Kanye's? wasn't in that. No way. No way. I know, Now looking back, there's no way. At the time, I was like, Actually, I mean, like, he is kind of, like, corny. It would be the sort of thing he would do. Like, he would be like, yeah, I'm going to be in the photo, but I'm not going to be in the photo. He's so (laughs) corny. And he's so corny like that. Okay, let's move on to – now that we're on the topic of difficult men, (laughs) you found this anti-work Reddit post. Let's Let's go through it. Tell me about it. Well, I'm obsessed with the anti-work movement anyway, (laughs) because I've noticed that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff bubbling at the moment. Obviously, there's a huge labor shortage in both the US and in the UK. And I know that from not just, you know, reading the headline pieces about it, Forbes have done a piece on it and whatever. And also just tangentially trying to hire. Like I know a lot of businesses have been trying to hire and just having a really shit time of it. And while all this is happening, there's a subreddit called anti-work, which is the idea of not working. TikTok is also very big on the anti-work thing. So I'm fascinated by these anti-work stories, these sort of anti-capitalist stories. And I'm sure you've seen a gazillion of these like screenshots that get posted to Twitter that are like, I quit my job today because, you know, whatever. And then you have the kind of text between the managers. So this post came up this week on anti-work. It's been very heavily upvoted just under this thing is gilded to the gods like I don't think I've ever seen a post with this much guild gilding on it that wasn't like I don't know like my dog died today and here's a picture of him with Mr. Rogers like that's like the type of thing (laughs) that could rival the amount of gilding that is on this post right now so there's this person who's been heavily gilded, who has a new hobby. And he says, I apply for jobs and attend interviews with no intention of taking the jobs. For the past four months, I've been applying to jobs on Indeed. I make up the qualifications they ask for. And on paper, I'm the perfect candidate. But in reality, I don't really exist. Why do I do this? Well, I like to dress up and it feels like a real sense of occasion. I get to have a nice day out and visit new places. I go to the barbers and get a clean shave, grab breakfast and coffee. I feel great and look great. I walk into the interview room perfectly calm because I'm not worried about getting the job. And I completely flip the script. 
What benefits does the company provide? Why should I work there? How are you competitive to other businesses in the area? The reactions I get range from confusion to interviewers convincing me that I should work there. Then I drop the bombshell. When it comes to the salary, I always say it's not really competitive in today's market. And then I look impatient and I thank them for their time and I just walk out the door. A few times now, I've had emails asking me in for another interview, stating that the salary is now all of a sudden negotiable. I'm pretty sure there's something wrong with me. I'm also sure that the next person that goes for the interview is going to have a much better experience. And no, I'm not worried about the repercussions. I don't need a job. I'm a full-time mature student at the moment, and I tend to emigrate once I get my degree. Edit, I will record my next interview. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, what are you thinking? I mean, truthfully, this reeks of a personality disorder to me. I, but listen, I can't say it's not noble, but like it does give me like, I am sort of kind of Jesus Christ reincarnated. Like it, it, it's like this weird, like Robin Hood complex that I don't know. It feels kind of like fucked up to me, but he's doing the, he's doing the right thing in terms of the results he's getting. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't like is the ego. And I'm willing to say that I'm more offended by his ego than what he's doing for the greater good. (laughs) (laughs) There's, I mean, at least he does acknowledge that like, he thinks that there's something wrong. Cause I do think like, I mean, to do it once to just like as a weird thing that you do that you could tell a story about a dinner party like oh I decided one time you know I read Shonda Rhimes's book about the saying yes and I decided I was gonna say yes to an interview that I wasn't qualified for and here's the story of that but like to do it over and over again is a little actually I'm gonna take back everything I said because now that I'm thinking about it this is exactly the kind of like fucking mad lad gorilla white boy shit that used to sell books back in the day. Like (laughs) you could be like your average, like, you know, 90, late nineties, early two thousands, like male nonfiction writer was doing shit like this to just sell copies of a book without receiving like that. you know, I don't know. To me, this is just like a miss. A misdirection of resources. Like I feel like he could have taken this if he was able to take these stories and write them into a book, and maybe be less reliant on the, there being like a a one party consent law in his state, so he can record these. He does go ahead and like maybe this is somewhat the modern version because he makes a YouTube channel where he's going to post the stuff he hasn't linked, and he also made an update video. Which, let me see. Let me see if I think this guy's can fuck. Hold on. This is important to me. 5,000. Uh, maybe. He's, he has depression. <laughs> Not to, oh my God, that's so Azalea Banks of me. I'm like fucking depressed, poor skin, bloated. <laughs> He's got indigestion. He's gone into je- – yes, for sure. This is a man you know has GERD. But, like, no, for sure. I I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I think that I, I love to work. I hate the system we live in yes. so fucking much. I'm, like, done with it. I 
part of me is like, oh yeah, I'll go work on a farm and wear a uniform. Like I'll go wear white linen all the time and go to and from places on my bike and work on a farm just enough to feed my family. I don't need it. I don't need all the things I have, but also I, I, that feels impersonal in a different way. So right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I also wouldn't consider myself anti-work. So maybe that is a little bit where, where I'm at, but I am tired of seeing people try so fucking hard and I'm so tired of corporations just hosing people. Yeah. It's really disgusting. And I mean, it's not great when small businesses do it either, but when it's like the big businesses still trying to just save what is essentially the equivalent of like nickels and dimes to them, but to the average American could be whether or not they get to take a vacation that year. Mm -hmm. That really bothers me. Well, you know, there was a really good TikTok that I saw that was, that was basically, I mean, by the end it is a woman pitching her kind of life coaching business, but up until then it's actually really good. And she says that what she doesn't think this is, is like an anti-work revolution. What it is, is a, anti-employee res- like revolution like what we're currently going through like the changes we're going through in society with these kind of mass quittings and um, labor shortages is that is not that necessarily people don't want to work it's that people don't want to be an employee anymore and like and once you've had time to step out of like really grotesque capitalist systems that like are not for your benefit and I do think there is a there is a place for ethical capitalism for sure like I love money and I love to make it but I do think that there's a there's a difference when we talk about like these huge sprawling as you said like these systems that are very exploitative where human beings are put through a meat grinder and don't have any semblance of of joy in their life and so it's not anti-work, it's anti-being an employee. And I, yeah, I think that I that's think my fault. I think about that a lot. No, I think about that a lot. Like even with like the choosing beggars subreddit, I think what we, what happens on there a lot is it's people reaching out to artists to commission something and them saying like, no, I'm not going to like do this for you for free for exposure. That doesn't pay my bills. And then I like find out what it is they do charge and I'm like, "Mm, but that's really high as well. Like Mm -hmm. that's also a really, that's a large sum you're asking for. And I think it's like, there are so many people who, who it hasn't even occurred to them to like, because they're so used to being an employee, they've never had to like go pay for a logo for like their project that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And so they want it for cheap. And it's like, I feel like art, even like artists rates would be adjusted to a place that was more affordable for the average person, but still enough for this person to survive. But it's like, people don't live in that like dream, dream type state where they're like, okay, I can start my own business and I'm going to pay for a logo because I want to make an investment because like, it's just, it's very difficult to get off the ground. It really is. It's really difficult to get off the ground. And I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I really don't. I'm, it makes me very nervous, honestly. And I don't think that there's like a country in the world I can go to, to escape this. Like it's just the status of earth right now. And I think that one of the reasons why we've reached this critical mass is that 
you know, at the very beginning and in the early stages of the pandemic, and now even like with, you know, Omicron and whatever, is that the things that we start to lose, the things that start to be eroded from our everyday life, the first things that are taken away are all of the things that bring joy and like, and, and like warmth and good human experience and like serotonin and dopamine. And the thing that's left is work. So like, as long as the economy's going like, fuck it, right? Like we're going to close all the theaters. We're going to close all the restaurants. You can't go to your office, but you can work from home. And so your life just becomes only work and no joy. And it's truly like, because there's, because prior to that, when you were working, you would also have you know, a little bit of carrot with the stick, you could still have some semblance of escapism. But when all you're doing, all you're allowed to do is work, then you become incredibly resentful of that thing. Because there is nothing else. There is no distraction. Like, it's just that. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's sad. It's really sad. And like, I think you, I don't know. Do you feel conflicted about this? Because I think we are similar in the way that we both love working. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do. I think like, but I, I, I think that my conflict is like, I want to, I, I want to create and, and continue to contribute. Like I love to feel useful. So if I'm not like, in, if I'm not absorbing media, I have to be creating media. Otherwise, I'll have to have a thought and I couldn't possibly do that. That would be repulsive to me. That I would have a moment living in my head thinking about something, maybe processing some trauma. I don't know. So I, I do love to feel productive. And I notice that like if I'm not doing in some way that I feel like I don't know who I am as a person. And I think you and I both have the same thing as well, which is that like a lot of what we do is so inherently tied to ourselves. And so our self-worth comes from contributing and making and participating in society and then getting a sort of monetary compensation for that work. Uh, To the point that like I take a greater hit because of that. Like, I mean, I definitely feel like I've like sort of engineered my life to the best of my ability to do things that I really love, even if it means that it's not always the most like profitable or sustainable or whatever. If it means that I'm like up late working and like putting shit out there to help this podcast and all of the podcasts and all of the other little side things I'm working on. If that's what that means, then I'm happy to do that because I want my projects to succeed. Right. And in in the process of that, you wind up putting in so much extra time. But I, I'm terrified of that. I think about it quite a bit of like, what if something in my life happens where all of a sudden I can know, not like being canceled or something, but like if something in my life happens that would make it so that it's impossible or very, very difficult for me to do what I love, I do not know what I would do. I don't know where I would go. And I don't mean that in like a naive or dumb way. And I've had friends tell me like, Molly, you're not going to (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to like wind up like jobless and like crazy. Like don't worry. But not that crazy people are jobless, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They, it's just, it, yeah, I don't know. I've never felt like in some ways luckier to be in a terrible situation, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like, it's not that I don't know what I would do. It's that I don't know who I would be. I think that's the thing that like terrifies Ooh, me. Okay. All right. Oh, yep. 
That makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> I'm like, they're two things are braided together. <laughs> Admittedly, neither of us have really looked too far into this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting conversation. So 270 health experts wrote to Spotify this open letter about how Joe Rogan's just like chronic spread of misinformation about COVID is like incredibly dangerous. They called it a sociological issue of devastating proportions. And I have been wondering if there is, I think that this is really detrimental to Spotify's future. Mm -hmm. If they don't start to make a call on this, because they're quickly getting into that space that like YouTube had to get out of, which was letting InfoWars exist on their platform for so long. And I know that Spotify did take down a couple episodes with more controversial figures from Joe's show that I, I believe are still available maybe on YouTube or something. But Joe had to ditch a few episodes with, yeah, yeah like the Alex Jones, like the What's that boy's name? That gay, blonde-haired boy that's a Republican. Oh, Milo Yiannopoulos? Yes. Like, they took down those episodes, which, you know, happens. I, I mean, like, just when you think about, like, the how much money they put in to Joe Rogan, $100 million deal, mm-hmm. first deal of its size for mm-hmm. this thing that's still really, like, an emerging medium in a lot of ways. Podcasts have not peaked in popularity yet. Possibly the, 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 yeah, the biggest deal they've ever done. I think Caller Daddy was the second. But it's true what they say about Joe Rogan and the misinformation that he allows to happen on his show. I, I tuned in recently because, guys, are you kidding me? Of course I listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> like not to be a libertarian or something, but like of course I listen to Joe Rogan. Don't be dumb. That is exactly in my wheelhouse of like bullshit that I like to consume just so – because I like to keep an eye on them. You know what I mean? Like the Logan Pauls, the Joe Rogans of the world. If someone's not watching, oh yeah, how are we going to know? How are we going to know? So I tuned in and do you remember that guy – I think his name's Shane Gillis, who was like hired on SNL and then like fired before even the first episode because it turns out that he had made a bunch of like racist jokes about Asian people on his podcast. Oh, God. No. Like Shane Gillis is like now into the Rogan fold. I'm sure he's one of like the many like jobless losers who moved to Austin to follow. Oh my God. That's I'm being so mean. I'm being Azalea Banks right now, but he, he was like saying they were all sitting around saying this like wildly anti-Semitic stuff about the Jeffrey and Glane stuff, like sort of just the, you know, there was many jokes that were made that would be funny if they were from anything, but like a straight white non-Jewish man. Right. And I, I get what Rogan's doing because, like, a lot of comedians do speak that way behind closed doors. Not necessarily the anti-Semitic stuff, but some of the more controversial stuff they say. That is exactly the type of thing that people who do comedy get off on. It's like the anti, it's the anti-culture, con, like you know, counterculture sort of edgelord shit that has made up. As long as I've, you know, been adjacent to the comedy scene, that's what I've always 
seen and heard from many, many people. And there's always examples of people who don't partake in that. But then there's people who are really like above board publicly who do stuff like this privately. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised that Joe feels like he's sort of like not breaking the fourth wall, but like providing people with what they really want to hear. And that's interesting. I just don't know if he's fully bought into his own troll. And that's what makes it difficult. A hundred percent. I was going to ask you about this. I always get the the sense with Joe Rogan that he, that he, that he can be a bit of a fence sitter. Like it, it's his very sort of like, oh, I'm just sort of, I'm, you know, I'm just having these interesting people and I'm sort of sitting on the fence and I'm asking questions and, you know, I'm not really taking a point of view, but I am having a point of view. And I don't know how much of his own shit he believes. Like when he's obviously sort of digging in on vaccine stuff, but but again, it's this sort of middle of the road. Oh, I heard a thing. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I mean, maybe we can look it up. Like it's very like non-committal. And then I was like, I wonder if Joe Rogan is actually vaccinated. Like, wouldn't that be there was blind items about that that like he actually is vaccinated. Wouldn't surprise me me in the slightest. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, just the sheer volume of people he sees every day. And like, let's be real, they are an underserved market right now. Like if you want to be someone who doesn't get vaccinated, there's really no cool people to look to. Right. Because you're just going to find yourself on like the island of misfit toys listening to like, (laughs) you know, absurd people go on and on. And then they start to say things that are like, well, actually you had a good point, but that was like the line. I feel like Joe Rogan is like the every man's sort of Candace Owens (laughs) 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 where it's like, you can go and you can hear all this absurd shit and have your feelings and thoughts validated. But yeah, it's it is it is pretty clear for someone who podcasts as much as he does, and this is where I maybe am like gonna give him some undue sympathy. He podcasts a lot, and it's difficult to be on top of everything and to know everything when you are talking into a microphone for like sixteen hours a week, yeah. which I think he he might do. And so at a certain point. One thing I one thing that does bother me generally about like huge complaints about misinformation or misunderstandings on podcasts is that unfortunately if you're doing a podcast you do have to talk especially if you've done a podcast for a while like you can't just show up one week and be like I don't know like I don't know actually like no one wants to listen to a podcast where people are like hmm I don't know I don't know I feel like I do do that <laughs> some weeks <laughs> It's okay to not have like a hard opinion on everything, but I feel like in a, in some ways, I don't like to listen to people who aren't confident in any capacity. Like mm-hmm. even though I'm like, you know, I can be like batshit and extremist, I think especially for like entertainment value, like I mostly am always aware if I'm on mic that I'm on mic and yeah. you need to bring... I don't know. Like, I just don't, I, I, in general, I think non-committal people are like not interesting. I like big personalities. Mm-hmm. So I get, I kind of get what he's doing. He definitely has that vibe of, I mean, yeah, he plays both sides. He's trying to be apolitical in the way that I think Howard Stern used to be. 
Mm-hmm. Like where it's just like, you know, like I'm just taking in the information. Like I never said that guy is my favorite guy, but he deserves a voice. And I think unfortunately, like how we communicate with each other in this in this country is that people – I feel like there's a lot of people who feel left out right, on both sides and a lot of people who feel very validated when they find someone who is not going to make them feel stupid or wrong or inherently bad because they might have a slightly alternative opinion. Agreed. And that is, to me, that's a huge – I think it's a huge problem when we shut people away from each other. I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. Like, I – it's my juggalo thing. Like, I just don't feel like we should, like, shun people or make knowledge or experiences less accessible for them because they're different beliefs. However, this is, like – there's this is unprecedented, what we're dealing with. This has never happened in our lifetime. And Joe Rogan has a huge – audience and he's like kind of I don't know I'm I'm torn on this because I agree that he needs to be more responsible at the same time I do feel like this is a little bit of a neutering that is not like the letter didn't need to be public information I I feel like with this and in general what you said about people being able to go to a place of sanctuary where they're not feeling stupid is so dead on because I feel that a lot of media, which is particularly with all the best, most well-researched, most well-rounded information that we have is not that accessible to everybody. And so it's all well and good being able to sit in an ivory tower, you know, armed with really well-researched things with the time and money and energy and capacity to be able to absorb that information and feel a little bit smug about people who scurry off to Joe Rogan when you read something from behind a New York Times paywall to just sort of be like, oh God, these fucking stupid idiots. And it is very frustrating because, you know, sometimes these people are doing very dangerous things because they're misinformed. But when people aren't able to access like good information, a vacuum is created and all Joe Rogan is doing is filling that vacuum. Like he's just like, he's there. And who could blame him? Like if it was another type, it was, if it was any other type of field or any other type of person, I mean, I'm a, I love business. Like I cannot, I can't say that I don't love that. Like, I think like if you're serving people that need to be serviced and are desperate to be serviced, like God bless you. Like it's, I'm, I'm, I even, low key, as much as I have no respect for it, I appreciate the people that take a hard left and like become alt-right politician type people online because it's like, yeah, you've been canceled from the cool kids. And so now you're just going to be like a fucking asshole. But like, understandably, like there's money in that. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely, if you want to earn some cash to take care of your family, like that's is it the most moral or just or like even healthy way to move forward? No, but it's smart. Right. And, but the thing is, Rogan's got golden handcuffs now. He's got a hundred million dollar handcuffs on. And he does. I mean, Spotify, as the owners of that platform, 
and I'm sure like whatever deal they worked out involves a sort of and I'm sure there was lots of conversations about allowing him freedom to do what Joe Rogan does uh, you do kind of have to you do kind of have to play by the rules when you've got that beautiful millstone around your neck that beautiful gilded millstone <laughs> this is why no it's like it's this is why it is so important and I don't know. No one needs $100 million. You just do not need that much money at all. No one needs it. Like to me, when I hear, oh, so-and-so is getting paid $100 million, it's like, well, at what cost? Yes. And I just never want someone to own me like that. And it's not even like I would ever – I don't think I would ever be in his position like in any way. Like as a creator (laughs) – (laughs) I don't think I would be in that position as like, you know, just just so many capacities in which I could never be Joe Rogan. But yeah, it's just, it's, it feels anti, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Joe, the thing that he had going for him was that he was sort of punk rock. And truthfully, I have, I admire his career trajectory more than almost any other person in Hollywood because he's always been able to do what he wants and dip in and out of areas, right? Like he can be on a sitcom. He can host a game show that's like very commercially successful. Then he can like dip back into acting all while doing his stand-up comedy. And then he gets involved in like doing this like sort of announcing for UFC and then starts this massive podcast where he's really early to the tech and like really like sort of create something that can't be beat. Like, it's just, I, yeah, I admire his career so much. And it actually, it just genuinely makes me bummed, truthfully, because I, I know he's doing it to be a shit. Right. But at the same time, I think it would be better if it was kept private. Cause this is like, now everyone's talking above the children's heads, like the population being the children and Kids don't like that. People don't like when the people in charge are talking above their heads, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to something that they feel precious about. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We need a reinvention. We're too close to another election to not have a reinvention of the way that we treat each other in this country. Yes. And would also say that does bleed into other parts of this world too. And your country even. Yeah. And (laughs) and my country. (laughs) Very very similar. Mirrored in a a slightly different smaller way. But yeah. He's got to stop though. It's bad. It's like, it's bad. It almost makes me feel like, I mean, podcasts did great at the beginning of the pandemic. We're still doing okay. But I think that mostly it's because of the strength of the medium. Mm -hmm. But I think that he just – there's something he's getting off on here that feels inauthentic. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think like when there are people literally dying, you do need to be fully aware of the power of your platform and the power of what you're doing. And it's all nice and well and good to like be the one that does a little bit of trolling and st- stirs up a little bit of controversy, but like people putting their parents in the ground <laughs> – so mind you I know and there's some people who are like well I put my parents in the ground like there's some people who are way too comfortable Mm. with that yeah maybe he just needs to shut the fuck up for a minute well I mean I could say the same about us (laughs) (laughs) and with that said (laughs) 
I think that's it for this episode of Trend Lightly. You guys, please let us know what you thought about the episode on social media and follow up with us about the stories that you enjoyed. We're Trend Lightly Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And I believe we're just Trend Lightly on TikTok. And yeah, all of our information's in the description. We have like fun stories that we didn't get to get to because, you know, we had to shout out our queen, Azalea Banks. But yeah, please like go check out the bonus links or at the very end of the description. And yeah, Tiffany, any final thoughts? No, I'm thinking about selling pictures of my feet, but we can get into that. Me too. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Did you see that video? No, like literally me too. Because, you know, I, yes, I do have a high wiki feet score. I don't think I'm too old to like sell my feet. I have no problem with it. I actually like, you know, I'm not turned on on my feet, but I look at them and I think, hmm, those aren't bad feet. Like, let's start making a lot of money. That's how I'm going to, that's how we're going to blow up this podcast. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to start selling pictures of my feet so that we can afford more stuff to make this pot. I mean, we need to get the Island boys. You know what I mean? Like we need to have these (laughs) things and I have to, I have to raise the capital somehow. So if that involves me selling pictures of my feet, which by the way, we can do separately on DM. If you are interested, (laughs) you can also Venmo me privately for pictures of my feet. And I do mean that. Go check out my wiki feed as well. It's M-C-A-L-E-E-R. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hi. Yeah, yeah, I'm the king cause girls on the way you wanna be but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the fun. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the center, now watch it hit the flow, now rag it up. Huh? Rack, rack, rack it up, king, bag it up. Huh? Back, back, bag it up, king, stack it up. Stack, stack, stack it up. She said, Where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought was important, but I moved her right about the way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC. Low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like the tell her. Shout out Turbo Tax, Tax Refund. What's another Like the quarterback at recess. No rush. And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why your shirt orange like a pump? Mama call me, ask me how. Hi, I'm Essie, one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a Best Comic Book Podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, And you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.